Welcome to IndieWire's Very Good TV Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on Twitter. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on Twitter, or Bent Travers on Twitter. Whichever you prefer, whichever you like, that's how Ben will be addressed. Very flexible. Yes, and so we're back after taking a week off, uh, and one not a huge amount of stuff happened in that extra week. You didn't really miss much. No, if you didn't check out IndieWire.com, I mean, shame on you. But yes. But really, it's okay. We're, we're doing okay. We're, we're doing no, all right. Nothing huge. No new X-Files news, I don't think. No. Nothing's no. solidified anyway. No. So. They don't start shooting until next week. Yeah, so that's when that's when you guys really need to be checking in every day. Yes. We'll have our, we, we will have our counter at some point, I'm sure. It's, it's on the mini to-do list of our, of our tech team to get a little counter on the homepage and, and make that happen. Very important. Very important. But anyways, uh, speaking of things related to that... And let it be said for the record that I was not the first... If, you're, if you have a tally going of who brings up the X-Files first, Liz or Ben, that was Ben's turn. Yay! Uh, but it is, it is relevant to uh, kind of what's kicking off our discussion today, which is Aquarius. Good old Aquarius. Right. The, uh, the David Duchovny starring NBC cop drama premiered last week, if you're listening to this on Monday... Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're listening to this on Monday, you've had the opportunity to binge watch the entire series available on NBC.com, various VOD services, Hulu, I've been told by Ed Westwick on Twitter, who is apparently a friend of David Duchovny's, which was strange to me, but also comforting since I was a Gossip Girl fan. Uh, but no, it was met with uh, kind of a mediocre ratings debut, which is interesting considering you know the model that they're establishing. But uh, people are watching it, and more importantly, David Duchovny is back on broadcast TV. So I ask you, Liz, what did you think of Aquarius? Well, Ben, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Aquarius is... Aqu- watching Aquarius was very interesting because it's, it is very much it's, much... it's much more of an ensemble piece than I think I was expecting. And so, like any ensemble piece, it lives or dies depending on the cast. I think... I didn't have as huge a problem as you did with the with Gethin Gethin Anthony Gethin plays Charles Manson. Yes, yeah. I I was kind of he didn't he didn't really grab me one way or the other, which I think is was actually I guess your point, which is that he lacks kind of the charisma that you would expect from someone who became one of our most notorious cult leaders. Slash, I mean, what do we really call him? Like, I have no idea what to call him. He was a he's a '60s icon as far as far as I'm concerned, an infamous one. Mainly because of what happened on uh, Mad Men when they referenced him at the end, which means he's important. That's all I know. <laughs> that is Ben's understanding of 1960s history, is what he learned from either Mad Men or Aquarius now. It's a fact. I mean, really, I didn't live through it. I can't judge it unless, you know, the people who were there tell me how to judge it, so... I mean, or the people who at least are dramatizing what it was like to be there. Potato, potato. I So, anyways, in answer to your question, I Aquarius is it's well-made, it's... Got it's it's like I was I remember watching I I've I got through the whole season and I remember kind of just getting into the rhythm of it enjoying like oh hey it's been it's been so long since we've seen a naked painted girl on screen like a whole like thirty minutes I'm so glad we've addressed that uh, and all that but I think it really it really was amazing fun just watching David Duchovny be this incredibly politically incorrect 
weird, almost beatnik-y counterculture, still also very rough-and-tumble cop character. I think, and, and, you know, he throws himself into it, and there's a lot of interesting elements that come as a result. Yeah, I, I'll get this out of the way right off the bat, because I didn't explicitly say it in my review, but if you don't like David Duchovny, you're going to have a problem with Aquarius. I mean, so much of the show resides on his charisma, charm, whatever you want to call it. He's got a great screen presence, and that's really what we're into. And it's part of the problem for me with Geth and Anthony, is that this is this is an ensemble piece, and Manson takes up a good chunk of the screen time, but every time it's just him, and he's just kind of ominously threatening people or coercing women into doing things for him, I mean, it's interesting because it serves the story, and there's parts of it that are moving forward, but he just has nothing going on behind his eyes. Like, I mean, it's literally just a lot of loud talking, and then kind of not-so-subtle gazes, and, and nothing really pays off. And to, pay, to play someone like that, I think you have to have that kind of next-level screen presence. And I think I mentioned in my review that it would have been really interesting to see Duchovny play that character. I don't think I would have <laughs> wanted it. Yeah. I don't know if he's got that kind of range. We've never seen him tested that way before, really. But uh, somebody who has that would have been great to play that character, and I just don't think Anthony's got it. It's interesting uh, because I had to look up who you. I had to look up who he played on Game of Thrones because I. It's a thing. If actors change their hair and their facial, their facial hair especially, I stop recognizing them. And so, as Renly Baratheon, uh, Geth and Anthony had a very prominent beard and darker hair and all that. But now that now that I know who he's playing on that show, the thing about Renly Baratheon as character is that he's the basically the tragic, tragically gay, um, you know, third third or fourth in line for the throne, and gets involved. It gets quickly taken out of the competition uh, in the second season. But that character is based around someone who's in, you know not powerful and not not powerful and not meant to be necessarily super charismatic. And that worked. He worked fine there. He was, I think, a strong addition to the cast. But yeah, in, in this case, he, I don't know if I would go so far as to say he felt completely miscast, but certainly he wasn't, certainly it it, it, it would have been interesting to see another actor, even like someone like one of your fine gossip girl gentlemen, I'm sure would have. Based off that trailer, whatever that ABC show is that Ed Westwick's on where he's playing a 60s-era serial killer. 80s-era, but yes. Is it 80s? Oh, you're right, yeah, it is yeah. the 80s. Uh, he would have made a great choice for this, honestly. But uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I think that's one of the, the biggest problems with Aquarius is that. But an even bigger problem, and one that I eventually just overcame despite myself, was the female characters on this show are really bad. Like, really, really bad. It hurts. It, it hurt a little bit to watch them, especially that scene, and it's later in the season, I promise this is not a spoiler whatsoever, but the female cop who's striving to prove herself as one of the boys and somebody who should be seen on an equal plane as everybody else, she's given this scene where she has to kind of walk through a murder scene with David Duchovny. Yeah. And it's just painful. Like, it's not a very well-constructed scene to begin with, but the way she's depicted, it was just so... I don't know. Much girlish. Of, much of the later part, later half of the season, felt like Dave was spent with David Duchovny yelling at the blonde cop for not being enough of a man cop. Yeah, it was a lot of kind of talking down in the wrong way. And then, considering you know, again, Manson is such a big part of the show, I expected 
the, our eyes and ears into that world. The female character, who I always I think her name is Emma, yeah. on the show, played by Emma Dumont, maybe? I'm not sure. The girl from Bunheads. That's, yes, as uh, everyone knows. People know about Bunheads. <laughs> yeah, of It's course. not just me. No, of course not. Yes, definitely. Write in to Liz Miller and tell her about your your uh, your love for Bunheads. But uh, but no, like she doesn't have a lot going on either, and she was very confusing to me because there's a lot of scenes where she watches something happen that she clearly doesn't like, but she stays with Manson. And it's part because of the rebellion she has against her parents, and it's part because apparently he's just so captivating, but there's never any justification for it. So she just becomes paper thin and watching us, making us watch women do things that aren't good. So, Well, surely, Ben, you remember when you were a teenage girl with your first major crush on a guy. Like, I mean, it's Pretty a sure pow- it was David Duchovny. <laughs> it's a powerful thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, and I think I, I actually, I will say this. Uh, I've never, I've never, I've, I've read about the Manson, the Manson murders, but I've never seen like fiction based on them before. And as a result, I think the thing I like best about Aquarius is the fact that even yet yeah, in a world where Mad Men and other period set dramas exist, I have not seen Aquarius before. Aquarius is something new and interesting to me, and. I, I will 100% celebrate that over yet another procedural. Oh, no, I'm totally with you, and that's the thing. Like, I kind of wanted to get away from what I didn't like about the show early, and, and, you know, those are big things, and I can see where some people may not just be able to get past them. But, yeah, Aquarius is such a fascinating show to watch, and such, for me, kind of transitioning into the second part of our conversation, such a great show to debut from a broadcast perspective for binge viewing, uh, in that you think there are so many procedural elements to it. You think there's so many things that are like a one-off that like he picks up a new case and it doesn't matter. It'll be over by the end of the episode. Then you can forget about it and not worry about it next week. But then they just keep coming back. Yeah. Like so many of those elements keep being reintroduced in important ways that it surprised me. It took me aback. And it's not the same as a straight serialization. It's not the same where you can tell like, ooh, this is the knife that was murdered. It's going to be a weapon that comes back in the end. But it's a case that was basically ended in one episode and then resurrected in another in a very planned way, but it's not the same kind of pacing, it's not the same kind of structuring, it's, it works very well and it brought me into that world in a way that was very specific to the show, and I, I really enjoyed that, and that was kind of what pushed me over the edge in the end to being like, okay, this is more than just David Duchovny being an awesome smartass who beats up hippies. No, there is that. No, there is that, of course. Uh, yeah, you can't. I mean, I, I was really excited uh, once I figured out that the actor, Guy's Charles, who played, of course, Smash Williams on Friday Night Lights. Smash, baby! He, Smash, baby! You can't keep Smash down. And, uh, but I really, I really liked him. I always liked him on Friday Night Lights, and I, again, the hair, when you change your hair, I stopped recognizing you. Uh, but well, it's really hard. I mean, Smash was always walking around in those, like, cut-off t-shirts and shorts or, you know, strapped up in a football helmet. Now he's got glasses with, like, a bow tie and, and you know, the whole Black yeah. Panther motif. So, I mean, he, he he looks very different, but, yeah, I, I mean, I've just... But I liked that actor even without remembering who he... without re- yeah. realizing who he was, and then as soon as I figured it out, I was like, yeah! yeah of course that, I love that character. And that's a huge part of the story as well, because a lot of the supporting actors really pay off. I really liked him. I really grew to like Gray Damon, who plays uh, Duchovny's partner in this. Yeah. At first, I was kind of a little testy, thinking, you don't quite fit into this. I don't know exactly how much I need to care about you. 
but he kind of grew into his own, and, and again, as I kept watching it, as I got in episode to episode, I really liked how he played the character throughout the thing, and he became much more than just a another <laughs> young pup who looks like a hippie that Duchovny can make fun of, so... So yeah, like the characters uh, outside of just Hodiak really worked well. So yeah, I think and and you know going to the point about the fact I mean this is really unprecedented the fact that Aquarius you can go right now and binge through the entirety of Aquarius like this is NBC just hop jumping over every other you know you know you expect you expect kind of this kind of this kind of progress or this kind of experimentation to kind of trickle down like first yep. you get it first you get it from like the streaming services then it makes its way to premium cable then it makes its way to broadcast cable then it makes its way to broadcast NBC is leapfrogging over all of that and it's just like okay Netflix seems to be having a good time with what they're doing let's give this a shot and so as a result uh, I mean it is it is it is history making whether or not it's going to be a thing that happens again is the really interesting question. And it really, I guess, depends on how happy NBC is with how this plays. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm with you. I really would have expected someone like HBO to do this next, because they just launched HBO Now. Oh, especially very, because of that. They're very much directly competing with Netflix in that sense. So I would have expected them to be able to buy a property that they could, you know, completely release at least the first season of, and then see how that played off from there. But... They haven't done that yet. For NBC to do it just just today, when the link came up in you know our email that said, "Hey, you can watch all of Aquarius right now," and I went to the page and I just scrolled down. I was like, "There's 12 episodes of a show on NBC online right now, and all I have to do is click a button." That was a very strange feeling to have. Um, so I, I I don't know the technical aspects of it. I don't know about ad sales and how they'll split that up with everything and to make it work financially. Um, but I guess from a consumer point of view, I have to think that this is a great move. Well, I think I just realized that they had they had established a little bit of precedent for it because for a couple of their big mid-season launches, I'm thinking specifically of Night Shift and Undateable, uh, originally those series were, those shows, you know, they were launching season t- their second seasons this, this spring, and... A couple of weeks, a couple of weeks beforehand, uh, NBC made the entire first seasons for both of them available online. Normally, they would only have like five episodes or so, but no, nope, full seasons now. And uh, you know, and that's very much a we understand that you might be interested in giving the show with a second season a shot. Uh, here's the first season for you to catch up on. Sure. And they, in fact, used uh, the social media as I like the undateable cast is huge in the tw- huge in the Twitter, and I saw them tweeting all the time about, go catch up on Undateable so you can watch season two. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a strategy that seems very much like an NBC Universal idea because, I mean, one, Hulu is, is owned by Universal and they do this with a lot of shows. They own the previous seasons and allow you to catch up on them whenever you want during the season as well. Right. You can watch all of Modern Family and various other programs specifically sold to Hulu because, you know, that's what they want to be able to do. They want people to be able to catch up whenever they want. But yeah, like building up to this kind of release of a new program is just, it's, it caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't expect it, like you mentioned, and I think Aquarius is a good fit for it because as we mentioned, it seems like a show that you kind of have to settle in with. You right. may want to watch it because of David Duchovny. You may want to watch it because you're interested in Manson. But there's so many other elements and there's so much new... I guess to the show right. that it, that you have to kind of get accustomed to it 
And it's really hard to do, even with a two-night premiere. The first thing I watched with Aquarius when they gave us screeners, they gave us screeners for the first two episodes. Right. And I watched the first two, and I was like, I don't know what to think of this yet. Like, I really couldn't form a good impression. So then when the rest of it arrived, I was like, holy cow, okay, great. I can sink into this. And it, it took a little bit of time, but I did. So I, I'd, I'll be interested to see how well that plays out with people, you know, who are just consumers, who are just, you know, wanting to try it out, if they'll want to keep going with it, but I feel like they're a lot more inclined to if they can just click a button and go to the next. Yeah. And um, it's worth noting that it's not just Hulu, it's also across NBC.com and all these other apps that the, you know, NBC Universal has more of an ownership stake in. They only own part of Hulu, and there's a lot of contentiousness about, you know, how Hulu fits into a lot of digital digital streaming plans that... Um, is complicated and goopy. Um, the thing I, I wanted to mention really quick that it's notable that both Undateable and Night Shift got third seasons. They're sure. both coming back. So it is, it, you know, how much of this is a sign of NBC's faith in the show? Who knows? In, in Aquarius specifically. But it is notable that, uh, you know, when the show the, the show starts airing next week, or this this upcoming week with its new partner in crime Hannibal, yeah, uh, which is actually the more I think about it, it's such a great pairing. Like yeah. it just it's conceptually, like the shows have different tones, so you're not like strapped in for two hours of incredibly bleak bleakness. But there is going to be it's going to be fun. I think it'll be an interesting pairing. Yeah, it it somehow makes a lot more sense to me <laughs> after watching the whole first season of Aquarius. Um, I mean, it's easy for us to just be blinded by the fact, hey, Duchovny's on the first hour, and Gillian Anderson's on the second hour, this is perfect. Right. But there's a lot to kind of the, the, the tone of the show, as you mentioned, that there's just enough differences, just enough stuff to break it up from one to the other, mm-hmm. but that could really work in a pairing. And I'll be, I'll be very interested to see if the ratings hold from even their weak start as they are now, or if they'll start to trickle away because people are watching online. Or if they start to trickle away because people don't like Aquarius, and then whether or not NBC gives it a second season. And, when they give it a second season, if they plan to release it the same way that they did the first. Yeah, I mean, that's what, those are all really good points. I think what's interesting is, I can't remember the last time a brand new show had a huge launch. Like, a huge rating-smashing launch. It's, and I think, I think what we're seeing a lot more these days is shows building. Like, yeah. and so when, you know, like... I, you know the the ratings numbers on Aquarius have the headlines have described it from everything from like modest to stable to that sort of thing. So it's like they're not they're, no one's singing singing its uh, funeral dirge yet. Oh no! But I, I I I would not be shocked if Aquarius builds builds on these first week numbers after next week. Yeah, I'll be very interested to see whether it builds or declines, and then why people expect that to be. Because like you said. The first week ratings, they're not bad, they're not great. To kind of put it in perspective, they're behind the Night Shift's premiere when it premiered last summer. Mm-hmm. But they're ahead, it was second out of, I think, seven original programmings on, uh, programs on the night, like across the board. Um, that being said, it was behind a Big Bang Theory rerun, but again, Big Bang Theory is an unstoppable machine. Yeah, and so, very different uh, audience. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I... I I'll be very interested to drag the show. I can't even predict if it's going to build or subtract just because, I mean, this is something we've never seen before. And yeah. I don't know how gripping it's going to be for that older audience that wouldn't want to binge it online. Yeah. Or the people who, you know... Yeah, it's going to be... I, I would love to see how how NBC ends up breaking down these numbers, especially, you know, 
I, I wonder if they're going to report like next Monday on how many people binge viewed it, binge viewed the entire series. I would, I, that would be a great number to get to see. I would be fascinated to get that stuff, and it becomes another one of those things, just like with Netflix, where I'm dying for any of those kind of ratings. Like I just want to see, kind of the influencers of what make the decision. It's it's always very nice to see, kind of any evidence for why your favorite show or your or a favorite show gets picked up or canceled because you know. It, better to know anything than to know nothing so right. i don't know I'll, I'll i hope they release that i feel like they will be motivated to do so more than anything else uh but it's very important for the experiment of whether or not this will happen again mm-hmm. yeah it definitely feels like a test case at this point i mean but you you brought up when we were discussing this earlier you brought up the interesting point of just how you know what kind of shows are the right kind of shows to binge view especially for yourself because you're not necessarily a proponent of watching an entire series in one, in, in one sitting. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, like, because I, I, do, I do a fair amount of just like, okay, well, I will sit down now and I will watch the entire season of this show. And it does have, it, it is like, I feel like a really good way, I've, I think I've said this before, it's a really good way to get into something. I think so too, absolutely. And there's, for me, <coughs> for me it has a lot to do with I guess my expectations for the show, because like what you're talking about, I will do, but I usually do it with kind of tertiary programs that I don't expect to have a huge impact on me. It's like, I want to watch that, but I know it's not a huge deal. I can wait to binge watch X, Y, and Z and and then do so. But then sometimes they surprise me. Sometimes they'll grab me and I'll think, okay, I've really got to sit down and pay more attention to this. Mm -hmm. Um, A bad example of what I just talked about is Wayward Pines, which is what I just started watching the other day. Mm -hmm. And there's only three episodes of it out as of Thursday, as of right now, or Monday when you're listening. Um, But I I was watching the first episode and I got through it and I thought it was much better than I expected it to be. It's definitely not as loony as I know you would have liked it to be, and I would as as well. And I felt like they may have given away a little bit too much in that first episode. But when I started watching the second, I was trying to do other things at the same time, and I realized I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And I need to pay attention to these little secrets that are being dropped and the little lines that are being exposed. One, to see if it makes sense, and then two, just to kind of keep up with the show as it goes. And I don't know if that is a good idea to binge view. I think I might blur some things as I go through it, mm-hmm. but I've almost just set it up in my mind now where I'm going to wait until there's a good six episodes out and then just hit them all. Well, and that's the, with Wayward Pines, by the way, just specifically to that show, that's, it's, waiting for episode six is really important because episode six is where the big there's a big turn in the season. Oh, baby! Yeah, so episode six is where everything changes. I heard that before. <laughs> hey, everything... <laughs> We, we were told that episode seven of Aquarius was where everything was going to change. Up at that, at that when, we, when Ben was told that, he had only seen through episode six, and then he watched episode seven. Ben, did everything change in episode seven? No. There were definitely some things that changed, but not everything, and not enough, I don't think, to justify that statement. But, but that uh, is the episode where David Duchovny wears a polo shirt for very, sp- for very specific reasons. Very awesome reasons. It's Even an amazing scene. Uh, but yeah, Liz, getting back to what we were talking about, I mean, is there anything you've been binging lately or anything that you feel is a good show for binging right now? Well, I, it's funny, I've been trying to make myself use Amazon Prime more, because the thing with Amazon Prime is it's never my first stop when I'm thinking, oh, I should just be watching, I should be catching up on something while plowing through Minichua. 
getting writing some email or whatever. Uh, and who, Amazon Prime does have a lot of really interesting exclusive content, including a lot of uh, Comedy Central series. Mm-hmm. And the more I dig into them, the more I'm reminded that Comedy Central continues. I'm continually surprised by these little one-off shows that they give half an hour to for eight weeks. And they're doing some remarkable stuff. So I actually watched uh, the entirety of the first season of Review. Oh, yeah. Which is a very interesting show. Very quiet, very, like, didn't really make a splash. Bad name, I think, because just... Yeah. <laughs> how, do you re- how, do you, how do you search for reviews of Review? It's just no. impossible. No. But and conceptually, the premise is a little hard to understand. But it's kind of it's it's it was an interesting series. It had it was much more serialized than you would expect, and it had a dark edge to it that led to a really interesting season one finale. And when it comes, it's there's some interesting. And so, I don't think I would I wouldn't have watched that show. I would I, I don't think if I had ha- if I had watched that show week by week, I would have understood it the way that I needed to that I got to understand it through binge viewing, but so having the opportunity to watch all the episodes at once made me like it and made me pay attention to it. I'm glad you brought up Comedy Central specifically because, uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of comedies on Comedy Central that I almost save exclusively to binge view, not consciously necessarily, but they just don't register until I see it on something like Amazon Prime. Um, Workaholics is one that I think I've mentioned before where, I almost always just end up watching that on some, you know, lazy Saturday or when I'm doing chores or something like that. Um, I've got the Kroll show in my queue to make sure that I binge view that as soon as I can because I'm very excited. I always like Nick Kroll and I haven't seen enough of it. I've just seen the little bits right. here and there. And that's um, and that's one where they have like a lot of like you know it, it is it is basically sketches, but the sketches are opposed to some as opposed to something like Key and Peele. There's a like I think a real narrative arc to them. Yeah, I want to do the same thing with Inside Amy Schumer too because it's the same kind of principle. I've seen a lot of Inside Amy Schumer, but I I think you talked about this with your review of the new season. I don't think I've seen an episode all the way through, like from start to finish. I really yeah. don't. I've watched it on TV. I've watched it. I think on Hulu, I'm not sure if that's exactly right, but one of those programs. But I, I don't even know if I finished. Like, I might have just watched until I saw the sketch I needed to see and then moved on. But. And, I, and I think, like, yeah, it gives you an opportunity to appreciate those shows for what they are, which is much more of a variety show than you would expect. Yeah, and sometimes, especially I feel with comedy, you almost just want to sink into that style of comedy right. and live there. It's Always Sunny is actually one that I always binge view, and it's never a real decision. It's just that it's on Netflix, or that uh, I think this last season they gave us a screener of the whole whole season, mm-hmm. and I just mowed through it because it. Once I watch It's Always Sunny, that's all I want to watch. I mean, I, there's nothing that can compare to it for me. There's definitely shows that are equally funny or funnier, but that world of their specific kind of comedy is all I want to see for a good, you know, five hours. And what's interesting is that this is a big factor. Netflix has admitted to knowing a fair amount. Netflix knows everything about its viewing patterns um, and reveals very little about it. But one thing they have revealed is that, yeah, for the most part, you know, you watch one show at a time. You're like, it's, you know, it's not like you're watching a night of broadcast television where you'll go from like four four single camera, four four must-see comedies to like the evening's drama uh, and then 
watch some late night and go to bed. Like, you're watching one show consistently for a period of time, and maybe you'll switch back and forth. Like, sometimes there will be, like, two or three Netflix shows that I'm kind of alternating between, uh, or, two, like, right now, right, right now, my viewing is bouncing between, um, my viewing is bouncing between uh, The Good Wife on Amazon Prime, uh, I've been watching a little bit of Raising Hope th- through Netflix. Raising Hope was such a charming little show. It's it's like watching it is like sinking into a hot bath. Very true. And then, and then yes, I'm plowing through Entourage. 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 Oh my gosh! And believe us, friends, we're gonna have a lot more to say about Entourage very soon. Oh, Entourage. God. <laughs> <sighs> yes, that but, but that's, show slash movie. But, the, like, you know, but even then, that's happening in, like, six-hour chunks. Like, I'll watch one thing for six hours, and then I'll watch another thing for six hours, or fewer hours than that. Let's pretend, like I said, didn't say six hours, even though <laughs> that's maybe closer to the truth than I'd like. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's interesting how you bring that up, too, because I, I feel like that's just how people watch TV nowadays. They have one specific thing they want to watch, and that's all they watch for a while. The only time I bounce back and forth, and most people, the only time I know when they bounce back and forth, it's when they're still searching for that one show they want to be watching. Right. So usually they're doing it with older shows. Like if you really like The Office or Parks and Recreation or, or Friday Night Lights, which is usually something you just keep going with. But it's a great space filler until all of a sudden you're addicted to something that just came out. Or like, you know, I think like, you know, the other the other occasion I could see alternating between something is when you're waiting for, like, let's say right. it's 7.30 at night and you're watching TV and you're waiting for Scandal to start. <laughs> yeah. uh, then you're killing time until Scandal starts by sure. watching another show. Yeah. That's the only, that's like, that's the last time I can remember when Scandal was airing on Thursday nights. That's a time I remember regularly watching a two different shows on the same night. And isn't that a mind-blowing just concept to think about in the sense that you're watching Netflix even when you're waiting for another show to start? Like, I'm going to watch Netflix as a time filler until the one show a week that I'm waiting to watch live comes on the air. Yeah. Television is a lot different now than it used to be. (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, and speaking of, Liz, I know our favorite segment to do. Favorite segment. I think our only recurring segment. It's our only... We, we say our names at the top and the bottom of every episode. And we tend to talk about the X-Files a lot. Yes. Sometimes Friday Night Lights, but... Or Friends. Or Coach. But, um, but no, the best thing, next thing. Best thing, next thing. what we've worked up to. I know you guys had to wait two weeks for our best thing, next thing, and we've kind of supersized a little bit by mentioning a lot of shows we're binge-watching. Right. But, uh, Liz, what was the best thing that you've watched over the last two weeks? Two weeks. Two weeks. I gotta say, I... I don't know, oh god, Ben, we need more time so I can review this properly. Or you should <laughs> review this, because it's also, I, I, I'm actually very interested to know what you think of it. But I remain very taken by uh, Lifetime's Unreal, uh, which is a show that is, I've talked about on this podcast a couple of times, but I've now watched three episodes. They sent me three episodes. Speaking of shows that could easily benefit from a binge viewing opportunity. And it's it it remains it remains pretty solid. It remains it remains interesting, and especially the fact is it's about a the behind the scenes of a reality dating show, and so you see the behind the scenes of it, but you also see the dating show, and you get to know the girls who are competing on it, and you start 
legitimately developing favorites. Like I legitimately have a couple of girls who I'm like on, on who are contestants on the show where I'm like, you're incredibly screwed up. All of you are incredibly screwed up people. But if anyone's going to win this thing, it should be you. And having an opinion like that about something so fake is really delightful. So that's that's my best thing. I think that's a great pick, especially for what we were talking about with binging, because a lot of the things that you end up watching so much of in a row is reality TV. I mean, whether you're watching Chopped or you know Real Housewives or whatever oh, yeah. it is, I mean, those things are just so repetitive, but they also build up so much drama with such little time that you just become addicted to it and you keep going with it. So, I mean, having the guilt taken away from it not being reality TV, from it being... I mean, again, I haven't seen it, so I'm, I'm right. just going off what I've read and what you've told me. But having that kind of guilt taken away by saying, we're mocking this, we're showing how terrible it is, but we're still going to show you these people, and you can still kind of find favorites within that show that you're not supposed to like. I mean, that makes it a really interesting dynamic. So, yeah, I'm, I am excited to see that. Yeah, I want to note, though, conversely to that is one of the few times I really like not having an entire season of a show, one of the few times I really like having a week break is with every once in a while I'll get into a reality competition show like Top Chef or Project Runway. It's been Top Chef for the most part for the last several years. But watching Top Chef every week, getting excited about the characters... What, reading recaps, you know, get, getting, looking at pictures of the food, like oh, that sort oh, of that sort of week by week analysis. I do still enjoy. Same with RuPaul's Drag Race, but that is the one exception uh, to my binge viewing needs. Uh, anyway, so Ben, what was the best thing? Uh, I'm cheating a little bit with my best thing, but it's for a good cause. Okay, we never really talked about the series finale of Mad Men. So I just want to say that there's been nothing that has been as good as Mad Men since it ended. And I don't know if there will be for a long time. I, I, it's I, a, that's a pretty high bar you're setting. I know, I, I, but I'm speaking even specifically to the finale. I thought the finale was one of the better ones that's out there. I know there's been a lot of controversy around it. I loved Matthew Weiner's statement about it, or Weiner's statement about it, where he said, uh, where he said, if you're seeing it from a cynical point of view, then you're leading that kind of life and I feel bad for you or something like that. And I mean, you could still see it. I Actually, after they brought up the Cynic's perspective and I rewatched it, I could see it from that side of things, but it's still so great. Like, it's still such a great way to close out because it, it lets you have whatever ending you want to have. Even if you don't like certain aspects of it, nothing is permanent. So it, you can kind of believe whatever you want to believe, but it still gives you a great finality to that series. So, I mean, the best thing I've seen is definitely Mad Men. It's cheating a little bit, I know, and it is a high bar, but, I mean, God, that show, I miss it so much. <laughs> it was a, I mean, honestly, I think I think that series finale does stand, will, I feel confident that, as, it, you know, it, like, the just the level of nitpicking it received versus the level of nitpicking I've seen other series finales receive, I think that one's going to definitely stand the test of time as one of the greatest. I think we'll be having the right conversations about it instead of the wrong conversations. I think that's it. a really good way of thinking about it. Um, so, the next thing I'm really excited about is, I've got to say, Orange is the New Black, mostly because uh, when, as you're reading, it, 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 when you're listening to this, the review embargo will have lifted for the first six episodes of season one, uh, season three. Um, and having seen them, I can say that Season season three is, I think it's it's made a lot of smart choices, especially things like it got rid of Larry, 
We knew what was happening. But it turns out that show did not need Jason Biggs whining, whining at Piper in the waiting room. Uh, yeah, in the visitation room. So uh, they get, you know, but fo- refocusing in that respect on really on the women's stories and life on the inside. And there are some characters who, who get well-deserved flashback episodes for the first time. Which is really exciting. Always, it's always really exciting when you start a new episode and you're like, "Whose story is it going to be? Whose story is it going to be? Whose story is it going to be?" Oh man, it's Big Boo! Yeah. <laughs> and yes, Big Boo has a flashback episode. It's great. Um, and so yeah, I think I'm. I'm. The, but the the thing I will say about the first six episodes is that it's a lot. A lot of it is set up for bigger drama to come, and so I'm very excited for the back half of the season, which I will not get to see for until the entire series goes live uh, on June 12th, I believe. But once it does, I will be watching, and it'll be great. Damn right. Damn right. So, what about you, Ben? Next thing. Uh, the next thing I'm excited for is probably Hannibal season three, which uh, Liz mentioned last week, I believe, or two weeks ago, I believe. Yeah. Um, so I'll give another one that. I don't know if I'm excited for it, but I do want to see it, just to understand it a little better. And that is Zoo on CBS. (laughs) There are so many ridiculous lines in that trailer. The concept is preposterous. It looks like it could be some really fun summer TV? I hope? I don't know. I have no idea what to expect of this. But the credit I give to the marketing campaign, at the very least, is that they came up with a line of something like, uh, what if the animals decided to take back the world? Yes. And, I mean, I don't what know. What if? I don't know, Liz. That's but what the if thing. they did? I don't know what i do. I'm not gonna go kick my cat because all of a sudden Aww. she's turned on me. Like I'm not. What if the cat? What if the cat's with another a whole bunch of cats in a tree? Well, even then, I'm gonna be like, "That's my cat." Like Posey, come, come down. I'm. It's okay. And then if she did, and she even tried to bite me, I'm not gonna kill her. Like that's just crazy to me. So to to the idea of having an entire population turned on by their pets and and bigger animals. There's lions, but it's not just the lions. Not just the lions. that idea to me is, is interesting. I have no idea if they're going to engage with it. I have no idea if they're smart enough to know how to engage with it. I don't know if I am, but uh, I'm looking forward to see where they go with it. It could be, hopefully, a better version of Under the Dome. Like that kind of yeah. dumb fun. But uh, I don't know. That's tricky to land for me. I, I It's got to be a very specific kind of dumb fun to work, so I, I'll see if I like it. Yeah, I mean, it's... At the very least, like, we can make our review... Of it, just Pete Campbell yelling at Bob Benson. Not great, Bob. <laughs> so that would be perfect. Yeah. Oh my god! It stars uh, James Wolk. James Wolk. Haven't seen the trailer, which Who, is on IndieWire, so watch it. Yes, and he plays he, uh, James Wolk has had a hard time finding a really great series role. Like he was on the Crazy Ones with Robin Williams, which is why he wasn't on Mad Men as much in that season and. Now he's on the star of Zoo. I don't feel like he is... Oh, he was the star of uh, that show... Oh, goodness, this is annoying. He also got... He was on, he's, this is not his... Uh, the Crazy Ones wasn't one, just the first of his cancelled series. He was also yeah. the star of a very critically acclaimed show that got viewed by no one to the point where I can't remember what it's called. Wow, I don't remember that one at all. Uh, it was a Fox series that got quickly cancelled after like two episodes... 
he played like a guy with dual lives who was trying to. It was. It was. It, well, we, we should remember. Please make a note. We'll include it in the show notes. I'm having trouble thinking of a well-reviewed Fox series, but I mean. Hey. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, those those are my that's my next pick, and those are our next picks. Yeah, and our best picks. And we did it. So, uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, go to indiewire.com to read what Ben and I have to say about television, as opposed to hearing what we gab about it. Uh, you can find reviews, interviews, features, trailers, um, the occasional GIF. Oh man, if we can sneak a GIF in, we're gonna do it. And if you really like GIFs, go to either one of our Twitter accounts. Including Lizlet or at Lizlet on Twitter. That's with an I and an E. That is with an I and an E. And you can also go to Ben's uh, Twitter feed at Ben T Travers uh, on the, on the Twitters. Gifts galore. Gifts galore on his. Yep. Uh, if you've ever met, no man has had that same dedication. <laughs> but uh, yes, we'll be back next week uh, we'll, with a with in theory a special guest. Uh, Ooh. Yes, I teased that well. <laughs> and uh, in the meantime, keep watching television. <laughs>